Welcome to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz, episode 8. With me, I have Jonathan Newman, author of a book that excited many, some positively, some otherwise, titled To Heal the World, How the Jewish Left Corrupts Judaism and Endangers Israel. We welcome your feedback and thoughts on our website, anewconvo.com, that is A-N-E-W-C-O-N-V-O.com, and on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash anewconvo. Enjoy. Jonathan, uh, thank you so much for coming here and sitting with me and having this conversation. This book came out as soon as I saw the title uh, and the content, uh, what it's about. I got myself a copy, read it pretty quickly, highlighted about, uh, I think, 80 times, and uh, said, I want to speak to you. And here we are sitting together and speaking. Um, In your book, you are basically... Uh, take a frontal attack on tikkun olam. What led you to think about this topic and eventually write this book? I noticed that tikkun olam is totally hegemonic within uh, American Judaism. Um, Polls show 7, 8 out of 10 American Jews think that Tikkun Olam is a central tenet of Judaism, an enduring Jewish value in their lives. Um, the Reform Movement, which is the largest denomination in American Jewry, about a third of American Jews, um, is basically defined by Tikkun Olam. Same with the Renewal and Reconstructionist movements, which are both um, quite minuscule. The Conservative Movement, another uh, fifth of American Jews, also permeated by Tikkun Olam. Secular Jews, according to the polls, are animated by this concept, and it's even making inroads in the fringes of orthodoxy. Um, then from cradle to grave American Jews uh, encounter this concept they see it in in preschool, in high school curricula and their Sunday schools Um, they see it in programs for teenagers and adolescents um, programs on campus um, young professionals initiatives, um, the great philanthropies of American Jewry adults see it in their synagogues, in their liturgy and from pulpits, you see it in journals magazines, books, articles um, from the from the academy, it is everywhere. Tikkun is everywhere, and I said to myself, this concept is nonsense. Um, and Tikkun literally means, as you know, repair the world. Um, more poetically, heal the world. That's the the title of the book, to heal the world. And the the concept and the phrase appear in multiple guises in the Jewish tradition, um, in the Talmud, in um, Jewish prayer, particularly in the Aleinu prayer that we say at the end of every service, and in Jewish mysticism, in Kabbalah. And the phrase was uh, appropriated and, and promoted and publicized by Jewish radicals in the 1970s and 1980s. When I say Jewish radicals, I mean radicals who happen to be Jews. A lot of their radicalism was premised on the idea that there is no difference between Jews and non-Jews. It wasn't a particularly Jewish activity that they were undertaking. It was um, hardline left-wing political activism against the Vietnam War um, on the uh, extreme fringes of the civil rights movement, the kind of violent fringes of the civil rights movement. So these individuals appropriated uh, this term and associated it with social justice. So today we think that tikkun olam means social justice, and there's no basis for this in the in the Jewish canon in traditionalist Judaism. And social justice means essentially left-wing politics. Whatever we 
may want social justice to mean or think it should mean what it does mean in reality is left-wing politics and you know you just think of the politicians who use the phrase and those who don't and you think of the sorts of policy ideas that come to mind when you hear the phrase social justice in Tikkun Olam I expect fracking and pro-life are not among them um, social justice in Tikkun Olam have uh, an opinion on every issue in American political discourse immigration healthcare taxes the environment and so on and on every issue, the position is invariably left-wing. Um, that's not a comment on on the politics and a judgment on the politics. That's, that, I think, is just a, an observation of reality. That's just the way that the terms are used. Tikkun Olam is kind of Jewish social justice. And what makes Jewish social justice Jewish is the idea that the left-wing politics of social justice are rooted in the Jewish tradition. Um, and what the book explores is and argues um, is that that is not the case and there is in fact no basis for this um, liberal politicization um, in the name of Judaism and there are a couple of key points there the first is that American Jews just like all Americans have a right just as anybody else um, to express their political opinions they can have whatever political opinions they want they can be liberal they can be conservative that's fine and that debate can be had in the public square as it should in any healthy democracy the question is does Judaism endorse this politics um, do you go out and um, campaign for these policies in the name of Judaism in the name of the God of Israel in the name of the Jewish community um, that's what I take issue with the other important points to raise and and this cannot be emphasized enough is that social justice is a political program it is distinct from charity from grassroots volunteerism these sort of localized uh, projects and neighborly and uh, good kind of neighborly relations um, people often conflate social justice with charity with what they might call direct service or social action often these things are subsumed within social justice but they are distinct what led you to be concerned about it so the first, as I said, is is seeing this phrase, um, this phrase being used, where there was no, in my view, basis uh, for it in the tradition, and using the tradition um, as a kind of handmaiden to politics, using politics as an end in itself. Um, so, are you seeing to protect Judaism, the sanctity of Judaism, or the purity of it? Yes, that's 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 um, that's very much um, up there as an issue. Essentially, that Judaism has become a, a slave to liberal politics. Liberal politics, it's become a tool to something else. And for for people who take their faith seriously, um, it's actually quite insulting, and it's it, it feels quite sacrilegious that you know this is um, for for a lot of people this is the the be all and end all of their of their existence. If anything, politics should be a means to um, kind of religious goals. Um, if that's you know what one uh, what one wants but but the point is that religion is not a tool and the Torah is not a tool and and you know God is not a tool for you know people's partisan uh, agenda um, and yet the overwhelming majority of Jews believe that Judaism is a tool to to the liberal agenda to the point that American Judaism has basically become like a wing of the Democratic Party um, so that's that was a main part of it, and the other was was about Israel, and noticing that the the greater one's commitment or an organization's commitment to Tikkun Olam is the more skeptical or hostile 
that party seemed to be towards Israel. Um, that in itself was concerning and something worth uh, investigating and talking about. Um, but it was also, it was particularly worrying because people would be justifying that antipathy toward Israel with recourse to Judaism. They, would, they were suggesting that Judaism somehow justified hostility towards the Jewish state and the presence of Jews in the land of Israel and the connection of, the, of Judaism and the land of Israel. So that seemed kind of utterly perverse. And it's something that I um, explore in, in some depth in the book and, and try to make the case that this is a that this Tikkun Olam ideology as it pertains to Israel is incredibly damaging to American Jewish Zionism. When you say Tikkun Olam and the one that you're referring to in the book is a particular and that is dangerous to Judaism or it's, it's antithetical to Judaism and even dangerous and undermining Jewish continuity and uh, and prevent and, and, and is a cause, as you write in your book, for assimilation instead of preventing assimilation. Are you referring to particularly uh, liberal agenda of the politics of social justice? Or if somebody's social justice, uh, tikkun olam, is, like you said, just doing good to others, and, and it's just, just about that without any association with the liberal agenda, though it may sometimes cross over, but for them, tikkun olam, which is their Judaism, is just just doing good, just Jewish values. Do you take issue with that? So th- there are two points there. The first is that um, again, this comes to the th- comes back to the point of subsuming charity um, and good works under social justice and and tikkun olam. There is a, a misconception, and this is not limited to the Jewish community. This is uh, prevalent in American political discourse more generally. In fact, throughout the Western world, that there is a a direct line between compassion and liberal politics. The the second point is that the the concern about assimilation comes from something more fundamental and what I um, identify as a sort of theology of tikkun olam. And the theology of tikkun olam is stridently universalistic and seeks to root moral obligation in creation, in the creation of the world by God and the creation of human beings in the image of God. And the reason they want to do that is because going back to creation means going back to the shared provenance of all humankind and is a way to break down barriers between Jews and the Jewish people and Gentiles and the rest of the world. If you go back to creation where there are no Jews, there are only just human beings, there's no distinction between the two. Traditionalist Judaism takes a a different approach. Creation is a very important teaching um, in, uh, in the Hebrew Bible and in the Jewish tradition. But moral obligation is primarily rooted in revelation in the revelation of the Torah at Mount Sinai and the reason that event is so important is because it established the Jewish people as a distinct people uh, one people under God uh, who would then go on to live in their land in the land of Israel so because of this event at revelation Israelites are tied to one another within the covenant of Israel between Israel and God so Israelites have a greater moral obligation to one another in the same way that Americans have a greater obligation to one another the Jewish people also considers itself to be uh, a family Uh, the Jews believe themselves to be the literal descendants of Abraham biological descendants of Abraham there is an additional fraternal relationship between Jews and just as it's natural within a family to um, honor and respect 
your parents to love and provide for your children, to have a close relationship with your siblings. People would find it strange if you gave the same reverence to complete strangers as you do to your parents, if you gave the same financial provision to complete strangers as you do to your children. It's only natural and right that people um, care for their family um, and feel a, a stronger relationship to their family. That's not to say that people mistreat strangers, absolutely not. Uh, people should absolutely care about strangers, but there's a question of, of a hierarchy of relationships, and that's absolutely central to, to, to Judaism and Jewish peoplehood. Sometimes it, it can be politically incorrect to talk about that. People get very kind of sensitive about it, but if one wants to engage with Judaism properly and with the Jewish tradition properly, and one wants, one wants to understand its wisdom, whatever conclusions one, one draws, then you have to engage with it honestly and not pretend that it's something that it isn't. So traditionalist Judaism has this what we call particularist um, impulse, that the particular Jewish people is the, the, the center of moral obligation. But Judaism is um, particularist, and the advocates of tikkun olam, the leaders and theologians of the, of the movement, uh, want to go back to creation instead because they find the Jewish peoplehood to be a chauvinistic relic. And those are words that they use. They find it embarrassing. They find it outdated. And their problem is that they have a hard time giving a reason for why Judaism needs to persist. If um, everyone is exactly the same, owes the same obligations to everyone else, and is destined to exactly the same outcomes as, every, as, as everybody else, then there is no distinct Jewish people, and there's no reason for a distinct Jewish people. And they struggle to give a reason for why the Jewish people exist, and, and even more so why it should exist. Um, the best that they, come up, they can come up with, that Judaism's greatest teaching is social justice, and therefore the role of the Jews is to preach social justice. But then they get kind of a bit wary of that because that makes the Jews sound a bit too distinct. So they then say, well, everyone actually has the role to, to preach and promote social justice, not just the Jews. So even this kind of pitiful excuse for the Jewish people to exist, this idea of preaching social justice, turns out to be something that everybody else can and should and does do anyway. So even that uh, is not really a reason for Judaism to, to persist. I don't propose that Tikkun Olam is the reason for Jewish assimilation. If anything, it's, it's merely an expression of Jewish assimilation in our time and a, and a symptom of it. Um, but this is the theology underlying, underlying it, and this theology essentially affirms assimilation and says that not only is it okay to assimilate, but actually it's a good thing because there really shouldn't be a distinct Jewish people, so you're better off, and Jews are better off being exactly like everybody else. So then you're saying that Tikkun Olam, not necessarily in the format of liberal uh, political uh, agenda, but Tikkun Olam of any form, the idea of just universal uh, goodness and kindness, is uh, anathema to Judaism. But not uh, not kindness in, an, in, a neighborly in a neighborly sense, just like um, although your, your obligation to your family members is greater, it's not to say that you don't. Of course, you have an obligation to, to, to strangers as well. It's just on a different level. And Judaism absolutely teaches that, the, that not only Jewish but Gentile uh, naked should be clothed, that Gentile um, uh, hungry should be fed, that Gentile homeless should be sheltered. There's absolutely no question of that. But again, that kind of compassion, and Judaism has actual terms and concepts of this, chesed, tzedakah, gemilut chassadim, you know, uh, righteousness, charity, acts of loving kindness. Um, there are real Jewish concepts, not tikkun olam, um, that, uh, that capture and express and mandate those sorts of activities, and they are absolutely required, but there is no direct line between those uh, activities and those sentiments and liberal politics. That, that is the uh, misconception. The attraction 
of tikkun olam, for the broader uh, Jewish community, for Jews in general. Uh, you suggest in your book that it is, or you, as you just told me right now, it's an indication of uh, the assimilation, of assimilating within the larger society, fitting in, not being particularistic, not being chauvinistic, etc. What about the redemptive uh, language or element of tikkun olam, which it has this sense of, of transformation, of being future-oriented? Uh, do you find that also to be an attractive uh, element of tikkun olam? There's no question that young, I mean, young people have always been drawn to the idea of revolution, to the idea that things can be different from how they are now and perhaps should be different from how they are now. And um, the, the tikkun olam movement points particularly to the exodus, to Yitzhak Mitzhaim, um, as a, a kind of blueprint for... Uh, this kind of revolution, but the in, the entire enterprise, their entire exegetical kind of interpretive exercise, is um, is tendentious. They have they know precisely the politics that they want to end up with, and they'll go to sources and appropriate them, lift them out of context, distort them, select them, sometimes even make sources up in order to get to their um, their political ends. And part of the problem, and you see this, uh, I think, quite clearly in their reading of of the Exodus, is that. The Exodus is a very particularly Jewish story. I mean, it's the story of the God of Israel hearing the cries of the children of Israel and remembering his promises to the patriarchs and uh, bringing forth his people from bondage in the land of Egypt and giving them the Torah and uh, making them kind of servants to, uh, to God. Um, it's a very particular story, and yet what the Tikkun Olam movement has done is to try to universalize it and to try to see it as a blueprint for any political revolution. So God doesn't really have a role because political revolution has to be undertaken by man, so they don't really do much God talk. And it's not a really a story about the Jews because then it's not universally applicable if it's only about the Jews. So instead it's just, you know, insert any oppressed group here and this is somehow uh, a blueprint for political revolution. Um, so that kind of revolutionary or, or redemptive quality is, is of course exciting and um, particularly now when um, you'll know this you know, better than anyone that the, the kind of extreme interpretations of social justice on campuses today um, where everything is kind of described within this um, or perceived within this kind of cosmic battle between good and evil um, so um, I think these uh, revolutionary and re redemptive ideas can be uh, very appealing um, but that doesn't make them Jewish of course but Judaism does have a redemptive vision Judaism does have a sort of uh, linear focus on transformation and, and an end goal um, and that is very attractive to people within the social justice movement within Tikkun Olam within, amongst young people and what you're saying is that, well, that, while that may be the case, tikkun olam is not what it's talking about. But what would you suggest? That's what I want to ask. What would you suggest is the uh, future-oriented, redemptive element of Judaism that young people looking for that within Judaism can find it? I think that's a that's a very good question. I mean, the the, the sort of the 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 politicization and, and kind of secularization of the of Jewish messianic impulse is 
um, is, is been quite common um, in, in the last kind of couple of centuries. Tukhran al-Alam is hardly the first to, um, to do this. I mean, Marx famously, you know, um, does that sort of thing. Um, but th there's no doubt that Judaism has a, the traditionalist Judaism has a redemptive quality, believes in, in the coming of the Messiah and a, and a, and a messianic age. Um, and the, the great rabbis spend a lot of time discussing it um, and how one knows that it's happened and what, what one should, uh, uh, what it will look like. Um, I think in our times, uh, we have seen um, the, the establishment of the state of Israel and the thriving of the state of Israel um, it will be up to to God to determine the the precise path to um, a redemption for the Jewish people and for the world. But uh, the state of Israel, I think, is a very good place to start. Um, it is such an extraordinary development in the history of um, in the history of Judaism and the Jewish people that uh, it is, I think, the best place for young Jews. I think to um, to devote their energies if they want to do um, something Jewish beyond, of course, um, you know, Jewish ritual and um, Jewish learning and committing to a Jewish life. You, if you commit to, uh, if you commit to a Jewish life, then you commit to being part of a Jewish collective. And you commit to Jewish peoplehood and you understand it and you develop a fraternal relation, and that will also draw you closer not only to other Jews. Uh, but to other Jews in, in the United States, but also to other Jews on the other side of the world, and to those in Israel, and to and to the state and land of, uh, of of Israel. But I think in some ways, traditional Jews have failed uh, in creating a redemptive vision um, for Judaism, and whereby the traditional, let's call it traditional Judaism. Uh, possesses within it a redemptive quality that would be attractive. Uh, to young people, um, and, uh, and, and outside of the state of Israel, and the state of Israel, and, and, and you know, the building of the state of Israel, there is this uh, futuristic uh, excitement that that draws young people, and uh, especially those in Israel, and even those in the United States. But it isn't sufficient because Judaism is broader than just you know building the land of Israel and in, in, ensuring its well-being, its security, and its growth. Do we need to find? Something within Judaism, when I say, and the ritual of Judaism, the particularistic particularism of Judaism that you note in your book, a redemptive quality, or a, a, a redemptive in the sense of futuristic, something, a, a vision, re revolutionary perhaps. What is it? Does it exist? Can, can, or not does it exist? Can we articulate it? Because we need to articulate it, because it isn't sufficient to just claim that, well, Tikkun Olam is not that. It's not Judaism. It's not the redemptive quality that Judaism promoted. What is? Now, we could say Torah Mitzvah, but I have no idea what that means. I mean, what's the association between putting on tefillin, eating kosher, and creating a better world? Yeah, I think that's, a, I think that's an excellent question, and I have no uh, straightforward answer to that. Um, the one thing, the one thing that I can say, um, which is that I've looked at this movement, and you know, as you've noted, this is this is the wrong answer, um, because whatever the answer is, it has to come from within Judaism uh, and within traditional Judaism. And this answer of Tikkun Olam has not 
come from within Judaism. It is, uh, it is an agenda that comes from outside of Judaism that has been superimposed onto Judaism. Something I generally would reject is the idea of my Judaism. People, people often like to talk about this, you know, but my Judaism says this and my Judaism says that. It's like there is a Judaism. It has a multiplicity of views, but it's not just anything. It can't be just anything that you want it to be. And I raise that because that is what the Tikkun Olam movement has done. That this is, they have their politics and their ideas, and they are saying that this is Judaism and this is their Judaism. Well, Judaism is, is, is a thing that is separate from them, and you know they have to uh, understand its ideas and its views. Absolutely. I mean, I always point out that there's a difference between Jews and Judaism. Judaism is an independent enterprise uh, that was invented three and a half thousand years ago. Jews are the people who are bonded and binded to it, but not everything a Jew says or thinks is Jewish. The theory of relativity isn't Jewish, isn't Judaism. What your book does very effectively, and I think it stands out in that it takes this issue head on, direct. And like I said when when we began, that you take it on in a frontal attack and you have language in there like, uh, you know, you call Tikkun Olam the bastardization of ancient civilization. Um, you know, you call ethical Judaism anti, uh, anti-Zionist. Uh, Tikkun Olam, uh, uh, the logic of Tikkun Slam, Tikkun Olam endorses assimilation. Um, you go so far as to say that however noble the motive of American Jews, their pursuit of Tikkun Olam is a betrayal of the traditional faith of their people. Why are you so direct <laughs> in your writing in this book? I mean, I'm sure this irritated a number of people. Uh, couldn't you have done it a little softer? Part of that, I think, is, uh, is, is a quirk of American publishing. Um, and not only that, but, but, but a kind of lamentable fact of American political discourse uh, in this country, of which publishing is an expression that people are not interested in moderation. People are only interested in things that are um, kind of sensationalist and uh, polemical and that come down on one side of on one side of the debate. Um, and what's interesting is that a lot of people who say that, oh, you know, if only the language were a bit softer and so on. The truth is that if the language were a bit softer, they wouldn't have noticed the book and they wouldn't have read it. So if that's the way to get people to read, and that's important. But that being said, I don't want people to think that there may be, of course, there are you know, any number of ways to express these things, but the sentiments are there. I, what I have seen, I find um, in, insulting and, and to use a, uh, a, a popular phrase, offensive. Um, the way that Judaism has been appropriated by this movement, and it's the leadership of the movement who is to blame. The ordinary people, as, as you note in the, the quotation that you raise, people think that they are doing good, and that's very, that's very noble, um, but that doesn't make it Jewish. And the leaders of the movement have taken them down this path, and it is a path to ruin. And the, the emotion in the book is uh, an expression of the deep concern that I have um, that this is alienating people from their from their faith and crucially it is estranging them from their own Jewish brethren and leading them to animosity towards their Jewish brethren particularly in Israel Um, and that is 
incredibly worrying. And, you know, if some people are upset that um, to raise that banner and to scream that from the rooftop, you know, uh, if they're upset about that, then, you know, they should feel the, the upset that people have to see what this movement is doing. Um, so hopefully it will hopefully it will register with people. Well, in a certain sense, you've uh, stripped the emperor naked. Um, and now the emperor is crying, I'm naked, give me my clothing back. Uh, what you've done in this book is phenomenal. Um, you've given voice to many people who had a feeling, but they could not articulate that something is going wrong. And well, well, I, I'll put it, let me put it differently. Everybody sees something is going wrong. Okay, the numbers are just glaring. And nobody's yet touched such a nerve and directly pointed at something that was, in a certain sense, what you call a holy, sacri- uh, sacred cow. And so there lies the problem the dizzying number of assimilation and of intermarriage. It boils down to a misrepresentation of Judaism and less, for lack of a better word, you know, not enough Shabbat dinners or not enough uh, this type of programming or that type of programming. You've sort of stripped that all away and basically said all those great programs that you're making and all those great activities and all those great initiatives, that's not what's lying at the core of the problem. This is what's lying at the core of the problem, what you call the bastardization of an ancient civilization. Um, that's phenomenal, and that's a really important contribution that you've given uh, to the Jewish world and particularly to American Judaism. Uh, but I feel that like your book is sort of part one. <laughs> we still need a part two. You know, with, in other words, you've identified what the problem is. You've stripped it naked and now we need to offer a solution or or uh, well uh, uh, let me rephrase it the solution exists we need to start creating the language to articulate what this solution is why uh what is so attractive about uh tikkun olam especially for young people judaism has a different approach to it to what we spoke about earlier the redemptive factor um, why the particularism of Judaism is so enriching, so valuable, so transformative, so important that God sought right to create this particular nation for not just for themselves, but for the rest of the world, but by being particular. And uh, that's a movement that we have to begin creating, a language that we have to begin creating. But, but, but uh, certainly the first and most important step is what you've done with your book. Um, Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you for listening. To receive notifications of our latest podcasts, please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. We welcome your feedback and thoughts on our website, anewconvo.com, and on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash anewconvo. To sponsor a podcast, please reach out to Peretz, P-E-R-E-T-Z at anewconvo.com, A-N-E-W-C-O-N-V-O dot com.